Hello, fellow and future dancers, and thanks for listening to the Dance Floor Ballroom Podcast. I am Lauren Johnson, and I'm very lucky to have on today's episode my husband and professional dance partner of over 12 years, which is kind of crazy, Lewis Johnson. Our episode today is called How Not to Kill Your Dance Partner. And if you have a dance partner, you're probably already laughing at that title because you know how difficult it can be to work with another person in the world of ballroom dancing. So we found 10 tips to help you get through your practice sessions and make Make them as productive as possible. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. So obviously I'm really excited about today's episode, but I'm also, I have to say, just a little bit nervous because I hope that Lewis and I are going to be able to get through this entire thing without fighting because the entire purpose of today's episode is how not to kill your dance partner. So I'm very fortunate to have on my dance partner of, oh my God, it's like... 12 years, right? Feels like 25 years. Well, you know, the messed up thing is a lot of our coaches used to say to us that if you can get through a dance partnership, marriage is easy. Do you agree with that? I would agree with that. If you can work it out and make a dance partnership work, you can make pretty much any partnership work. Our dance partnership is extremely difficult and fraught with peril because you and I, I mean, we're like oil and water. Yes, we're complete opposites. Yeah, but in everything. So I actually had a great episode a couple weeks ago, and if you guys have missed it, go back and check it out. It was with my friend Chelsea. And in that episode, she had a lot of really interesting insights about dance partnerships, and she talked about how important it is to respect your dance partner, and that's whether you're in a romantic relationship with them or not. But then we also talked about a couple of things that got me thinking, like, how do you actually survive a dance partnership? How do you make it successful? And Lewis and I today thought that we might come up with a few ideas that would help you maybe avoid some of the mistakes that we made and also help you avoid wasting so much time. Because I have to say, Lewis, I feel like we wasted so much time on nonsense in our dance partnership. You'll never get that time back ever, ever, ever. So you are absolutely right. I do feel like we wasted a ton of time. But then again, if we reflect on it, it wasn't a waste of time if we learned from the situation. Wise words. Very wise. I like that. That makes a lot of sense. So I thought we would just start off. A lot of people who listen to this podcast probably already know Lewis and I pretty well. But for those of you who don't know Lewis and I, I thought it might be kind of fun for you guys to hear a little bit about how we started dancing together and sort of the beginning part of our dance journey. As I mentioned, I still can't believe it. We've been dancing together for 12 years, which is really crazy. That's a, that's a crazy long time to dance with the same person. But Lewis and I were both working at a studio, at a franchise studio, and we were at different locations. We were at a training event, and I think I just walked up to you one night. I don't think we'd ever said more than a couple of words to each other before then. And I said, hey, do you want to dance? Uh, just kind of strolled up to me. I was the DJ at that party. So oh, you gotta, were you? You got to make sure that you tell the people that your boy is the DJ. He was the DJ. <laughs> so he was the DJ. And then I remember you walking up to me and you had Melissa with you. And she was kind of coaxing you along and saying, hey, you should go and dance with that guy or whatever. You, for some weird stroke of fate, didn't have a lot of women teachers at your studio. because. And again, if anyone's listening to this podcast and is not familiar with the world of ballroom dancing, men are in high, high demand, especially professional men. So there's like 10 girls for every guy out there that wants to dance with them. And I think in any other world, if I had just strolled up to you and said, hey, do you want to be my dance partner? You would have been like, no. So any guys listening to this podcast out there, ballroom dancing is for you. She just said there's 10 <laughs> women to every one male. So yeah. something to think about. If, if ever you want to uh, chase after the ladies, 
This is the profession for <laughs> Maybe not the profession, but the hobby. Okay, this is the hobby for chasing <laughs> ladies. If you, if, you, <laughs> if you want to chase the ladies, dance. That's all I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess the rest is just history. We started practicing together, and I still don't even know how I did this at the time. I had like three jobs, and I was driving an hour to practice with you three times a week. That was crazy. I don't even know how so I did It was so wild. That. It was the wildest thing that I, I was like, oh, my God, she's driving here an hour from Northville to Sterling Heights. That's an hour away. And it's the worst drive. If you guys aren't from Michigan, from Northville to Sterling Heights is the worst it's drive It's the worst. The world. If ever you take the stretch of 696, it's dark, it's no lights, it's off, it's like driving through hell. So uh, it was pretty bad. And every night she would pull up, she would pull up with a smile on her face every single night. And that's after working a all-day job. She would come out to Sterling Heights with a smile on her face, pull up in that little red focus. It just... <laughs> It just made me feel so good. It, it made me look forward to seeing her every night. Oh, that's nice. That's a, that's a nice memory. It's it's funny because even though it was a lot of work, we, we put in the time because we weren't at the same studio, so we didn't have the luxury of teaching and working at the same location. So we did have to coordinate and schedule practice time, which was kind of a challenge. But I think one of the things that was so exciting for you and I, and one of the things that Chelsea and I talked about in our episode, was that you and I, even before we were dating, because obviously we, we didn't know each other when we first danced together, we, so we, we got to know each other as dance partners first. But we always had a really great chemistry together. We always had a lot of fun. In fact, as I got to know you, you were very silly. You didn't take yourself too seriously. We started off just kind of focusing more on getting ready for like a performance together and not so much like, hey, are we going to compete this? Are we going to compete that? It was more like, hey, let's just even see if we can get through. I think our first routine that we did was a cha-cha. It was a cha-cha. In fact, we didn't go into it with the approach of, oh, let's be competitive partners. We were just going into it with let's just dance together and see how it goes. Yeah. And I do think that sometimes can be the mistake that people make in terms terms of finding a professional partner or, I mean, hey guys, if you're listening to this and you are a student and you dance pro-am, or if you're an amateur dancer, all of these things that Lewis and I are going to give you as sort of hints and helpful pointers to help your dance practice along will apply to you as well. We're talking about it from our perspective, which is our professional partnership, but it would apply to any dance partnership. Absolutely. So I think sometimes people put a little bit too much pressure on trying out with a dance partner up front because, you know, just kind of see if you guys get along, see if you have a similar work ethic. And I, again, the last thing that I always say, I have like these three things that I feel like make up a great dance partnership. The first one is chemistry. The second one is work ethic. And the third one is communication. Now, Lewis and I (laughs) ticked the box on one of those things and somehow still were able to make our dance partnership work. Not so successfully all the time, but you don't necessarily have to be on the same page all the time. But I feel like those are three things that help. You won't be on the same page all the time. That's going to be days where you're going to come in and you're going to just not be on the same page as the other person. That's where the importance of communication comes in. I have to let the other person know hey, this is where I am. Where are you? And then we'll both have a common ground and meet in the middle somewhere because you won't always be on the same page. Exactly. So in an effort to help you to learn from Lewis and I's mistakes and also learn from some of the things that we figured out along the way, Lewis and I came up with 10 tips on how not to kill your dance partner. And we're going to get started with one of the first ones, which I actually feel is extremely important. And I don't think a lot of people do this. So tip number one on how not to kill your dance partner is to start your practice solo. Now, what I mean by that is, is at the start of your dance practice, instead of turning on music right away and starting 
starting to dance together without even touching each other, you guys can decide how much of a length of time you want to do this for. Maybe it's 10 minutes, maybe it's 15 minutes, maybe it's 30 minutes. Whatever that allotted point of time is, you practice on your own. And in that alone time, you get to do what you want. If you want to stretch in a corner, if you want to run laps around the dance floor to get warmed up, if you want to practice basics in the mirror, if you want to do arm styling, whatever you want to do in that time, and it's none of your partner's business, they don't need to critique it, they don't need to judge it. If you want to just stare at yourself in the mirror while you work on your posture, you do you in that first section of your practice because I think too many people rush to connect right away and we're not in that zone of kind of getting our body ready to dance yet. It's very important. It's very important because whatever your line of business is, whatever it is that you do, you deal with people all day long, you can sometimes carry that over into your dance relationship. So it's best to spend some time apart so that you can meditate or whatever you have to do to bring your mind and body back into the same um, space because it's very easy to go into practicing with your day's load hanging on your shoulder. So it's ideal to um, release and then connect with a person because sometimes some days people just build me up and build me up and build me up and then my partner will be able to see, oh, he has murderous intent today. <laughs> he needs to go over there into the corner. Go over there, be by yourself. I'll be over here by myself. And then we'll come together once we've had this moment of clarity. Yeah, I think that's really, really, really important. I don't think enough of us practice solo on our own, just in general as dancers, right? So I think a lot of us, especially in ballroom, we're so focused on always dancing with a person all the time, whether you're a student or whether you're a professional. If that's the only time that you're practicing solo, at least you're getting a little bit of that quality time in with yourself. We talk about this in dance partnerships all the time that you can't control what your dance partner is doing, just like you can't do that in a, a personal relationship either. You can only work work on yourself. You can control how strong you are, how much you practice, how focused you are. So having that strength and security in your own self is really important when you're coming into that. So that's important in a professional partnership. But even for those of you that dance pro-am, if your lesson starts at five o'clock, don't be tying your laces at five o'clock. Come to your lesson 15 minutes early, get warmed up, get your shoes on, get stretched, get practice, get ready. Have that solo time on your own, even without your teacher first, so that you can, again, like Lewis says, get mentally prepared for that lesson. This next piece of advice is to set a specific goal for practice. You have to go in with a game plan. You can't just start out and expect results. You have to have a set thing. Here's what we're going to work on. Let's both work on this so that we have that moment of communication between the two partners. Yeah, definitely. And I actually tell this to my couples all the time, because if I'm if I'm teaching a couple, a lot of times what happens is they'll either start arguing or they'll have practice in between their two lessons and they'll say, you know what, we couldn't even get through it because we, we started bickering. And the problem with that is a lot of times when we approach a practice session, I'm going into it with one focus in my head. Like, let's say, for instance, I really, really, really want to focus on timing. I want to make sure I'm always on time with the music. But my partner is thinking much more about leading and following. So if we're on two different pages, he's thinking about leading and I'm thinking about timing. He might get annoyed with me that I'm not following very well. I might get annoyed with him that he's a little bit offbeat, right? But really, you guys are thinking about two separate things. So at the beginning of your practice session, make sure you guys communicate what you want to work on. So if you're going to work on connection or lead and follow, maybe don't play music right away. Work just on that action reaction thing. If you're going to work on timing, maybe have a little bit of forgiveness if the lead or the follow isn't perfect. Sure. I mean, we both have to have the same goal in mind, obviously. So in order for us to have the same goal, we must first communicate about 
about that. Here's what I'm working on so that you're aware of what I'm working on. And then you have to say that to me. Well, I was working on this. So let's both work on the same thing. It's ideal if we both have the same goal in mind. We start to think that we're mind readers with our partner, that they should just know what we were trying to work on. And then we also sometimes set too of a high expectation and say, well, we should be working on everything at the same time. You should be working on timing and lead and follow and connection. And yes, obviously that's the goal. But sometimes it helps to set that definition ahead of time when you're starting your practice. Like, hey, this is what I'm focusing on right now. So if you could just have a little bit of forgiveness if I'm, you know, not nailing these other things. And then you can kind of layer on from there. All right. So moving on to tip number three, don't obsess over length of time. I'm going to qualify this with a couple of things. If you're practicing with a partner long distance and you can only practice on the weekends and you've got a five or six hour block of time and you've got to fill that, that's kind of an exception, right? You've got to make the most of that time that you have. If you have the flexibility where you're practicing with your partner frequently, don't obsess over a two or three or four hour practice time. There's a lot of times where Lewis and I would come to the studio and we'd have a lot that we'd have to work on. We're getting ready for a competition. I don't know, maybe we had new material. Maybe we had just gotten a coaching lesson and we would really try to push ourselves. And we were at that like two hour mark and we're starting to argue. We're starting to get cranky. There's been times where we've had a really, really quality practice session that was 45 minutes long. And there's been times where we've had a really, really horrible four hour practice session because we just really tried to bang our heads against a wall and think, okay, we have to be here for this many hours or we're not taking ourselves seriously. So try not to obsess over the length of time for your practice. It's much better to have quality over quantity. But at the same time, try not to cut practice too soon if you haven't put in the work. If you're the kind of person that needs a lot of little breaks just to sort of help you along, then maybe try to schedule in like a five-minute break between each dance or a 15-minute break in between styles just to give yourself that clarity where you can kind of chill for a minute, let yourself absorb the information, and then move on from there. But find what works best for both of you and kind of set parameters for time so that you're not really stressing out over the clock. The purpose of practice is to keep you progressing forward. So try not to put a time limit on progress. Progress can either move slow as a turtle or fast as a rabbit. It just depends on how much you put into it, really. And on that note, if you're not the kind of person that wants to practice unendingly and you want an end goal in sight, just communicate that with your partner. So if you're going on four hours and your partner's like, okay, let's do rounds again, but you got work in the morning, then set set boundaries for yourself because that'll be helpful. Another round. <laughs> yeah. So just make sure, again, a lot of this is going to come down to communication. That's, that's really what makes a lot of relationships successful. Make sure that you communicate what you're willing to do. That way, if you're starting to lose focus after a couple of hours, but your partner really just wants to you know, keep going. Maybe you can compromise and say like, Hey, let's do a half an hour more. And that's really when I'm mentally going to check out. And if you want to keep going, then you guys can kind of decide that too. So if you set like a, uh, maybe for professional partners, this would be like a, a thing. Maybe you set like a two to four hour practice range for yourself. If you get to that second hour and you guys are both feeling like you want to keep going, keep going. But then at least you have some sort of a boundary so that you guys know where your limits are. You, uh, you often need someone to bounce ideas off of. And that's the part of partnership that I like the most of because I usually feel like I can do everything myself endlessly forever and ever and ever. And then it takes someone on the other side of the coin to say, hey, we can't do everything all day, every day. No, we have to plan and make goals 
and communicate. Yeah, and be productive. So like I said, if, if you're practicing for four hours and arguing and not getting anything done, that's obviously not beneficial to either of you. But if you're practicing for an hour or two and you're really, really cramming it in and getting quality work done, then that's, that's awesome. Quality over quantity. I agree with that. So this next tip is don't let an argument waste time. It's very important for me because I'm such a hothead. I always blow up. Oh my up. God. <laughs> I blow up at the smallest of things. You didn't point your toes here. You didn't point your fingers. You didn't lift your head up. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. It's very easy for me to point the finger at someone else instead of exploring my own self. I'm fascinated that we've even been able to dance with each other for as long as we have because you definitely have a temper. You're definitely quick to anger. Explosive and- <laughs> temper. I explode. It's funny that you know that about I yourself. explode. Explosive temper. That's one of the things that Lewis and I really found that we wasted the most time with in our dance career was arguing. And the funny thing is, I can't remember a single argument that we had. I remember them. I remember all <laughs> of sure them. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. But if I had to say, hey, Lewis, what was something we argued about when we were practicing dance? I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I have no idea what we used to argue about. It would always be something really, really stupid. It was never over something concrete like footwork. You know, guys, if it's something that is in the syllabus and you can look it up and go, no, it's a heel lead. You were wrong. Let's do it correct. Fix that problem really quickly. But if you're arguing over theory, or how to execute a specific line, maybe just even if you have to set a timer on your phone for like five minutes and say, okay, if we can't get to an agreement on this in five or 10 minutes, we need to move on and work on something else because we've wasted hours. And I've seen other couples at the studio where they're sitting on the floor, they've, they've got their hand, head in their hands and, and, and an hour goes by and there's no work that's gotten done. It's very easy to get caught up on a, an idea and especially for me, once I get caught up on an idea, I'm like a pit bull. I'm not going to let it go. I feel like I'm right all the time. So if I have this idea and I feel like I'm right about it, it's hard for me to let it go. But I have to learn to get over that because it wastes time. And wasting time is the worst thing you can do. And I think one of the things, I wish you and I had discovered this earlier in our career, but I think one of the things that really, really worked for Lewis and I in terms of not letting an argument waste too much time was to sort of try to let go of who's right and who's wrong. And that's, that is not an easy thing to do, trust me. And just sort of go, okay, we disagree on this, but let's find something that works for us. Now that might mean changing a piece of choreography. That might mean getting a coaching lesson. But in a lot of situations, it comes down to, okay, say we're doing a difficult line and I tell my partner what I'm comfortable doing in that moment. And my partner tells me what they're comfortable doing in that moment. And then we figure out a connection between the two of us that works instead of going, you're giving me too much body weight. You're not giving me enough body weight. Come to an agreement together and don't focus so much on who's right and who's wrong. That's difficult to do, I know. Very, very challenging. But if you can learn from our mistakes, it will save you a lot of time. Word. That moves us very smoothly into point number five, which is, accommodate for your partner. This is kind of a crazy thing to suggest in the ballroom world because there's a lot of ego involved. We, like I said, we all want to think that we're right, that we know what we're doing. My last coach told me this, so I know that it's true. But the most valuable thing that you can give your partner is your support. If you guys can sort of start getting into the mindset 
when you're approaching your practice, when you walk in after you've done your solo exercises and you're starting to dance together, if you can come to this, and I know this is going to sound like hippie nonsense, but if you can come to this with the mindset of what can I give my partner today? How can I show gratitude towards my partner? How can I appreciate them? If you can start every practice with that mentality, I guarantee you, you will have much different results as you're going forward. Because I think if we can get into that practice of asking what we can give to our partner instead of demanding what we need from them, everyone's going to be a lot happier. This kind of reminds me of of me entering into my um, almost husband mode. This is how I react to my wife. I want to make sure that she's uh, supported. I want to make sure that everything is taken care of. Are you okay? Is there anything else that I can do to support you? You have to treat your partner this way, not just because she is my wife, but in any sort of partnership relationship, you have to cater to the needs of the person that you're working with. Yeah. And can you guys imagine if you're, if you're dance partners, if you guys both go into practice with that same mentality, like how amazing could that potentially be if you just try that? So if you're listening to this and you've gotten all the way through to this point, I just challenge you to maybe try to set a goal for yourself for your next three practices, your next month of practices, all of your practices until your next competition. If you can challenge yourself to starting every practice with the mentality of what can I give to support my partner, I think you're going to find really, really great results with that. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. What can I give? And you know what? It wouldn't help to not only do that to your partner, but do that to everyone that comes in contact with you that day. Try and do it for the whole day even. You know what? What can I give to this day? Not just my partner, but this entire day. What can I give to it? Which brings us to our next point. Don't place blame. Find a solution. That one also hits a chord with me because I have a very itchy finger about pointing at someone else. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to point at you, and I'm going to point at you, and I'm going to point at you. It's everyone except for me. So I have a um, um, kind of a bias to that. I know there's a reason why she put this on the list because it's <laughs> especially for me. So don't place blame. It never hurts to um, accept responsibility. Yeah. And I know this kind of tied us back into our point a few points ago that was, you know, don't let an argument waste time. But I felt like this one was different enough that we could set it on its own pedestal because there's so much that goes into dancing. There's a lot of pressure, especially when you're competing And there is a lot of ego involved. We all want to be right. We all want to be the one that wins the argument. But placing blame really is just a waste of time. We are the dancers that we are today, and we have to work with what we've got. Practice is going to make us better. Coaching is going to make us better. And competition is going to make us better. But it really is a waste of time to blame your partner, to blame choreography, to blame your coach for something that's going wrong. It's a lot quicker to find a solution. So if your partner is doing something wrong consistently or you feel they're doing something wrong consistently, they either don't know that they're doing it wrong or they wouldn't be doing it, or you have to educate them on what they're doing wrong, but blaming them isn't helpful. So find something different that works better for you guys, whether it's changing the timing, whether it's changing the choreography. If your partner's not great at free spins, don't choreograph a lot of free spins. Find a solution that works for you instead of placing the blame. Absolutely. For me, I always go by the uh, cliche quote, be the change that you want. If you want a change to happen, make it happen yourself. If you want something to be better, make it better yourself. Be the change that you want. That always uh, applied to me, and I, I try and bring that up 
every time I have a battle with blame. And we really didn't plan this out this way. It was probably just my stream of consciousness as I was writing out all of these points. But that perfectly ties us into our next point, which is tip number seven, save big problems for a coaching lesson. And the reason we say this is there might be a situation that comes up where either changing your choreography isn't going to help or you don't know what the solution is. Even if you wanted to change the choreography or the timing or the connection, you don't really know how to do it. Instead of wasting time arguing or practicing something that's not working for you guys, kind of put a Band-Aid on it for the moment, put a pin in it, and schedule a coaching lesson. That way you can get an outside perspective and they can help you with that problem. And that's going to be a huge time saver for you. It's always nice to have an outside perspective because you can easily get lost in the bubble between the two of the partners. We are lost in this and, and I have questions about it. You have questions about it and neither of us have any answers. So let's go to an outside eye. It's always best to have someone looking from the outside in. And as a side note on this little tip, make sure you don't argue in front of coaches. That to me, oh, that is a big, big no-no. I have to say, Lewis, I, I feel like one thing, even though even though we did struggle with arguing in our practice. We argued a lot. We argued a lot. I feel like I can safely say that we never argued in front of a coach. For me as a dancer, as a professional, to me, it's it's a huge no-no because not only are you wasting your own time, you're wasting theirs, and you're wasting a ton of money. A ton of money. You, I mean, you know how, if you take coaching lessons, you know how much they cost. They're expensive. Do not waste that money trying to argue with your partner over who's right or wrong when I have a person there to mediate us. Yes. It's a waste of time. Yes. The coach will tell you who's right or who's wrong, or they may not even care. They're going to change it. They're going to make what works. So really try to value that time with your partner, with the coach. And again, this is whether you're a professional, whether you're pro-am, if you find yourself arguing a lot with a third party there, you, you, you really are doing yourself a disservice at that point. This is very funny because I used to purposely try and start arguments in front of people just to add the drama <laughs> to ballroom dancing, and I could see that. Yeah, and I'm the most non-confrontational person. She hated person that in the so world. much. She hated that so much. Yeah. So if we were to take that same thing and put it in front of a coach, she would not have it. It would it would be the end of our partnership. So try not to argue in front of coaches. Yeah, and I'm always surprised too at how how often uh, when I'm teaching couples, they they feel comfortable arguing in front of me. And that just kind of gives you some perspective too on how the coach might feel in that situation. We feel we feel very uncomfortable. We feel awkward. We don't want to have to mediate an argument between you guys. We've got enough work on our plates just trying to get you to dance better. So, you know, definitely respect the time of the coach and then res- respect the, the privacy of your partner too because they don't need to know what you guys have argued about. They don't need to know who won the last argument. They just want to make your dancing better. If the coach leaves the session shaking his head, you have done something bad that day. (laughs) So uh, reschedule another coaching lesson to try and make up for this one because it has failed altogether. (laughs) This leads us into our next tip, number eight. If you want a better partner, find a better partner. Uh, As a male in the ballroom dancing industry, we feel like we have an abundance of partners to pick from. All the ladies want to dance with the male guy. Every lady in the room wants to dance with the good dancer. So it's very easy for us to get a godlike complex. If I feel like I am the better dancer in this group, I'm probably in the wrong because in dancing, there is no one that is better than the other. You may think that you are, but it's all one long journey and we all walk that same path. So dancing is an endless thing. And there, to me, there is no one that is better than another person. You may know more about this particular situation or I may know more, but there is no such thing as better. There's only progress. We learn together. You are good at this. 
I am good at that. You are good at this. I am good at that. That's just how it goes. We work together. But if you personally feel like, you know what, I am better than this person, then you need to find a better person. I actually think it's really interesting what you said I, about progress. I think I think there's a lot of people that would disagree with you. I think that was a very controversial thing that you just said. But dancing is very subjective. And we all have different strengths and weaknesses. We all are dancing at different levels. But like Lewis said, we're all just on a dance journey. And I feel like for us as women in the ballroom dance industry, we, we probably feel very sensitive about this because Lewis, I, I mean, I'm sure you'll be the first to agree. We probably spent the first eight years of our dance partnership with you constantly looking for other partners while you were dancing with me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always having eyes on me and people are saying, Hey, let me dance with that guy. <laughs> so I'm always looking to see what other options are out there. But then yeah. I realized once trying those options, it's, futile it, it makes no sense at all just trying to this di- try this person try that person try this person try that person so many different options makes all the food taste exactly the same <laughs> well i think um for us as ladies one one thing to keep in mind too whether again whether you're professional pro am or amateur don't don't let the threat of your your partner wanting to find a better partner hang over your head all the time again all you can do is work on yourself as a dancer and if you're if you're being threatened by your partner that they're going to leave you for someone else and find a better partner, that's nothing you can control anyway. Like Lewis said, we're all on our own dance journey, so just focus on yourself. But one of the things that I always found sort of amusing about people that complain about their dance partners is that whether you're a, a leader or a follower, there are ample other people to dance with. And, and you can always find a better dance partner if you feel that the person that you're dancing with doesn't have enough of a work ethic, that they don't practice, that maybe you've been dancing together for six months and you haven't seen any improvement. In that situation, you really legitimately could probably find a better dance partner for you. Maybe you have different goals. Maybe you have different styles that you want to work on. If that's the case, then find a better dance partner. Don't constantly threaten the person that you're with that if they don't work harder you're going to dance with someone else. You, you got to follow through on that. If you really truly feel like the person you're dancing with is not right for you, then you should probably find a better dance partner. Absolutely. So that brings us to tip number nine, which is set rules for your practice together. Now that might mean, again, like Lewis and I talked about early in the podcast, that you're going to have to set some sort of limitations on time. That might mean that you're going to have to set a schedule for practice. And it might mean that you're also going to have to set boundaries for work ethic. So if you have a partner that you feel like is canceling a lot or lazy, but you either don't have another dance partner available or you are comfortable with the partner you're with, you just wish that they would work harder, maybe kind of make a game out of it. Make it kind of fun. You could even set like this rule or this consequence that whoever cancels three practice sessions first has to pay for the next coaching lesson. Make it something where there are consequences to canceling or showing up late or not following through on something you were supposed to practice for. Absolutely. I mean, if we both say that we're going to practice something, there's there's a certain expectation there. And if you are not going to achieve expectations, then there has to be repercussions for those certain things. Setting up different types of games and things is a way of keeping both of us um, involved and, and motivated, motivated and engaged to say, hey, I don't want to be the one to um, strike out here. So I have to I have to stay in the game. Okay, and this brings us to our final tip of this podcast. Tip number 10. Tip number 10. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. And this one is, say what you like, 
not just what you don't like. Yeah, this is huge. And what I mean by that is don't don't always say, well, you know what? You could have done this better. You could have done that better. You could have done this better. Say things like, you know, I like your line here. I like how soft you felt on this one. I like how you're using the counterbalance. Give affirmations positive affirmations that remind your partner that they are good. Yeah, I think it's in any relationship, it's so easy to take your partner for granted. It's so easy to, when they're doing something correct, just make it the norm. And yeah, as dancers, we we should know what we're doing. If, if there's a line that we're hitting all the time, we should know how to hit that line. We should know our technique. But no one ever gets sick of feeling appreciated. Never. So it's really important that as you're practicing and you're moving through things that you tell your partner the things that you like that they're doing just as important as it is to tell them what's not working for you. So when you're going through your rounds, if you've just finished a round, say, Hey, your energy was really great, especially towards the end there. That was amazing. Maybe on the next round, you might end up saying, you know what? I feel like we could really work on our musicality and our Foxtrot And that's fine too. I'm not saying you can't critique your partner, but make sure you're stopping and taking time to celebrate those small victories. If you just worked on a coaching lesson and you notice right away that your partner is applying something that they learned on that coaching lesson, speak up about it. Don't just go, well, yeah, they should be because we learned it and we paid a lot of money for it. Make sure you take the time for those small appreciations because that's the thing that motivates a lot of people. I know some people are motivated by, hey, you can't do this. You got to do this better. You got to do this better. That sort of drill sergeant sort of technique. But for a lot of people like me, I'm much more encouraged and motivated when people tell me what they like about my dancing. And that really motivates me to want to work harder. That makes me excited. And that makes it much more pleasant for your partner. Absolutely. Now, we're not saying these things that go out and make you give out these purposeful compliments because that's not the case here yeah don't be fake obviously don't be fake make sure that you are complimenting your partner with sincerity yeah that's true i think people obviously know when you're being sincere and when you're not being sincere but it comes down to again one of the biggest things that i feel like lewis and i took away from all of our years of practicing together as partners and what really started to work for us better in the last unfortunately just few years of dancing together took us a really long time to learn from these mistakes but hopefully you can benefit from us don't Uh, waste time don't waste time (laughs) don't waste time is a huge one but Coming to your dance partnership with gratitude, with humility, and with appreciation is huge. You're you're never going to get that time back. And a lot of people don't have partners to practice with, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a professional, whether it's an amateur partner. If you guys are on Facebook, if you guys are online at all, you see people looking for dance partners all the time. And they're willing to travel. They're willing to relocate. I, I mean, I complain about having to drive an hour to practice with Lewis, but a lot of people have to do much more than that just to even find a dance partner. So every time you approach your dance practice, go into it with that humility and that gratitude and that sort of giving nature of thinking, what can I give to my partner? What can I do to make this relationship better? And don't go into that practice going, what am I going to get out of this? I would I would totally agree with those things. But when you go to practice or when you go to dance or anything, anytime that you are preparing for something, it's best to manage your time wisely, communicate with each other, and just um, have fun. Do not forget that dancing is above all supposed to be fun. If you're not having fun when you are dancing, you are not dancing right. So hopefully you get something out of these 10 tips that Lewis and I came up with to avoid the mistakes that we made. And like I said, Lewis and I have been dancing together for 12 years. We don't get along that well. I don't know how we've survived this long. Even right now, we don't get along. We've been together for... 
100 years, it feels yeah. like. So trust me, if Lewis and I can get through a dance partnership, you guys can definitely get through a dance partnership. And hopefully you'll learn from our mistakes. Even if you go into your practice this week, only taking one of these tips that we give you, just focus on one of those tips. I guarantee you, your practice will be a lot more successful. It took Lewis and I way too long to figure this out. But now when we come to dance together, we we do have much more gratitude and appreciation for each other. And, and we it enjoy it. Better. Yeah. I enjoy it now. I enjoy dancing with my wife. And that's something that I, I didn't think that I would be able to say after so many years of me constantly pointing the finger at her or myself even. Now I've gotten to the point where it's enjoyable again. And that's what, what I love about it. Yeah. In your practice, make sure you're enjoying the dancing and it'll come through on the floor. Absolutely. So thanks again for listening. And if you have a minute, shoot me an email at hello at the dancefloor.info. I would love to hear from you guys. I'd love to know what kind of things you'd like us to talk about on the podcast, who you think would make a great guest. And if you also have the time, if you could give me a rating on iTunes, that really helps out. And don't forget to subscribe if you want to stay tuned for future episodes. We'll see you next time. Dance. Ha, ha, ha.